Hey there, Graybeardians. Welcome back and thank you for joining me on another episode of Cybersecurity Graybeard, the podcast that helps students, early professionals, and retrainees learn, grow, and advance in the cybersecurity profession. Make sure to email questions, comments, and episode recommendations to cybergraybeard at gmail.com. In this episode, I'm going to discuss four cybersecurity nonfiction books. I'm not a big reader, and for that reason, I set a goal this year of reading five books. It's not a lot. It's a start. As I've said before in life, we have to do things we don't enjoy, so we have the time to do that which we want to do. These books were great, a good use of time, and very educational. If I find more books like these, I'll certainly read more. If you know of good cybersecurity or even science fiction fantasy books, let me know about them. On with Season 3, Episode 5, Cybersecurity Graybeard Book Reviews. I find all of these books of value and worthwhile, some more so than others, depending on your area of interest and professional goals. I'm not really going to rank them. I'm not talking about these in any specific order. I really enjoyed them all. I'm glad I read all of them. And if you don't have time to get through all of these books because you're studying, you're getting ready for tests, you're doing certifications, you're prepping up for your new job, or you're looking for a job, makes total sense if you can't get through them all. Hopefully these descriptions and what I find of interest in each of them will help you decide what book or books is of value to you. The first one, Dark Mirror, Edward Snowden and the American Surveillance State by Barton Gelman, published in 2020. It's the most well-known of the bunch. And for those that who think privacy doesn't matter and you think you have nothing to hide, read this book. Anybody interested like me in privacy rights, definitely read this book. While the book has Edward Snowden in the title and it talks about Snowden, who he is and what he did, that's not the entire focus of the book. There's extensive talk about different attacks, how they occurred, and their impact. Snowden is covered heavily in some areas and he's left out of others. This is not an Edward Snowden biography, although certain parts may feel that way. It's a story of who he is, what he did, and why. I've always been pretty agnostic about Snowden. Sometimes I think he should go to jail. Sometimes I think that he did the right thing. It really just depends on the day. And that was the case until I had the good fortune to hear Leon Panetta. He's the former Secretary of Defense under President Obama from July of 2011 through February of 2013. I heard him speak at a financial services conference. The crowd was a financial services firm and it was pretty conservative. Panetta believes Snowden is a traitor and when he said that, the crowd cheered. I was standing in the back just shaking my head going, you people don't know what he did, why he did it, and really what he found out. And I'm not going to say that the ends justify the means. However, reading this book really gives a lot of clarity as to what Snowden did and why. Most people just know his name and what he's accused of. Read this book to see what he really did. The biggest surprise in the book, and I I hope this isn't a spoiler, but for me it was a big change in my view, and at this point I think that he deserves a pardon. And the reason is because of what he didn't share. Both him and the author of the book, Barton Gelman, had a lot more information, and the book talks quite a bit about what they didn't share. There was a lot of top secret stuff in there, and they did not release it. Snowden showed some of it to Gelman, and some of it he didn't, and they discussed it and decided what they wanted to go ahead and share. I don't like how Snowden went about doing what he did. However, in a free society, we cannot allow our government to do what they did and what they're still doing. One of the main parts that I want to talk about is chapter four. It discusses something called PRISM. This is critical to the privacy argument that I've made and why it's so important that people know what Snowden was worried about. PRISM is an apparatus where the National Security Agency, the NSA, tapped into nine technology firms and scanned messages, posts, 
searches, etc. of users. This is Nazi Germany stuff. This is Soviet Union where the government is spying on private citizens to see what they're doing, all in the guise of catching potential bad guys. If you didn't learn about the Soviet Union who murdered 50 million people or Nazi Germany that murdered 11 million people, read about them. Understand how evil those regimes were and what our government is starting to do is what those regimes did as well. The nine companies that were a part of PRISM were Microsoft, Yahoo, Google, Facebook, PalTalk, AOL, Skype, YouTube, Apple, and Dropbox was coming soon. The NSA had network taps into these firms and was parsing data looking for nefarious individuals. The NSA was reading and searching data of innocent people looking for guilty people. I'm not making this up. I have a link in the notes. Study this, research it, understand it. And here's just a quick blurb from the book. In film and fiction, the NSA mostly listened in on telephone calls. PRISM had the capability far beyond that. According to the user's guide for PRISM, for the project Skype interface, a separate document, NSA analysts could not only review stored account information, but also dial in and record live audio, video, chat, and file transfers. Analysts could ask for instant notifications when their targets logged on to Hotmail or AOL or Yahoo Messenger. Using other tools outside the PRISM rubric, the NSA could monitor keystrokes as they happen during live chat or an internet search before a surveillance target even clicked send. They can literally watch your thoughts form as you type it, Snowden told the author. That is illegal. It is immoral. It is evil at the core. Ben Franklin stated those that would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. Now, for those of you in history know the story of that quote, yes, he was talking about taxation. He was not talking about privacy. I don't care what Benjamin Franklin said stands. The statement is valid when we talk about privacy. Just because you may not be guilty doesn't mean you have nothing to hide. Just because what you do today is okay doesn't protect you. Imagine a regime changes and what you do becomes illegal. Today, homosexuality is legal. It is accepted. What happens if a future government comes in and outlaws homosexuality and then goes back and uses what you typed previously and posted on Facebook or Snapchat and now they're going to come and prosecute you or persecute you because of what you did? Just because it is okay today does not mean it will be okay tomorrow. And we should not be giving away our right to privacy only because it doesn't affect me. That's Dark Mirror. Prism is just a taste. Read the book and learn how AT&T and other companies facilitate government spying on regular citizens. I'm not kidding about this. AT&T has a server farm and right next to it is an NSA farm. And all the data that goes into the AT&T servers goes right into the NSA. That is also in this book. Definitely read it if you're interested in privacy. The next book, The Hacker and the State by Ben Buchanan, published in 2020. The biggest impact this book had on me was education regarding how different states use cyber for different purposes. There's something called signaling and shaping. I'm going to just read this quote real quick to help set the stage. The more competitive aspects of statecraft rely on two overlapping but distinct approaches, signaling and shaping. The distinction between the two is vital. If international relations are like a game of high-stakes poker, to signal is to hint credibly at the cards one holds 
in an attempt to influence how the other side will play its hand. To shape is to change the state of play, stacking the deck or stealing an opponent's card for one's own use. North Korea, Iran, the United States, Israel, everybody that is performing cyber is signaling or shaping. The stories throughout the book reflect that. That quote is from page three and the rest of the book goes on from there. Think about Russia and the elections. Think about the shadow brokers and ransoming off the NSA tools, including Eternal Blue. North Korea and Sony and how North Korea didn't want Sony to publish a movie, so they attacked them. The U.S. and Iran and Israel, how they all work against each other, partner together and attack one another, defend one another. The book talks a lot about geopolitical rationale behind many different attacks. There is wonderful detail in history around key attacks, such as I mentioned before, shadow brokers, great detail on NotPetya, the Sony attack from North Korea. The shadow brokers is a really neat story in here. There's a number of pages that are dedicated to how Eternal Blue and the other tools leaked, and how they believe it was Insider that did it, and then that person had Kaspersky on their computer, which then uploaded it thinking it was a virus, and then Kaspersky was hacked, and that's how it all leaked. That's one thought behind it, one belief. The shadow brokers and the Eternal Blue leak is a major, major problem and a historic turning point in cyber because as we saw with WannaCry and NotPetya, those tools got out and have now caused havoc. This book does a very good job talking about the shadow brokers and Eternal Blue. Stuxnet and Wiper, it was shaping from 2010 to 2012. The U.S. and Israel launched two separate powerful cyber attacks against Iran. The more well-known one is Stuxnet. That went after the nuclear centrifuges to stifle the growing nuclear threat Iran posed. Additionally, Wiper was used to hit the Iran oil ministry. I have a link in the comments about it. You can go ahead and do research on Wiper as well. Because it overlapped with Stuxnet and Stuxnet was such a major attack, Wiper was kind of lost in the, the dust, if you will. This book talks about it. There's a couple pages dedicated, and I found that interesting, how one overlapped the other, and the Iranians were just confused. What the heck is going on? We've got Stuxnet at the nuclear facility. We've got this other situation at the oil ministry. And that is covered in Hacker and the State by Ben Buchanan. Another story involves Sheldon Adelson. He's a Jewish billionaire and a supporter of Israel and Republican candidates. In 2013, Mr. Adelson stated that the U.S. should detonate a nuclear bomb in the desert, showing Iran that they should back down from their activities regarding acquiring nuclear capability. This was old school signaling. Iran took exception to the aggressive rhetoric and launched a severe cyber attack against Sands Casino. It's a major holdings of Sheldon Adelson's. Iranians found a vulnerable server that Sands used for software development. And then from there, they did some privilege escalation. They were able to install Mimikatz and then collect passwords and expand their foothold throughout the Sands organization. It was a major attack on Sands, and it was basically Iran coming in and saying, you want to support the Jews, you want to support Republicans that are against us, you want to launch a nuclear attack on us, here, we're going to come right at you. It's a very interesting story because you have a government attacking a private business, and the U.S. government didn't have the capability to defend against it. It was a private company trying to defend against a national attack, something that I don't know, I can't really think of a historic example of that happening. The book has a great description of the shadow brokers about what I talked about earlier, including Eternal Blue and how it escaped the U.S. control. And I believe that leak 
more likely than most is the most devastating cyber breach of all time. It again led to NotPetya, WannaCry, and many, many other attacks. And we will see it again and again. I am sure that it also played a part in the Colonial Pipeline attack that happened after all four of these books were written. They're fabulous stories, which Hacker in the State uh, goes into. The book does a wonderful job educating the reader on history, cyber actions, and the reason and outcome of many of the attacks around the world between various adversaries. Country to country, country to private sector. It's really well written and it's a fun read. I definitely recommend Hacker in the State by Ben Buchanan. The third book, Sandworm by Andy Greenberg, published in 2019. Well written, extremely enjoyable. This book differs from the others in that it has colorful stories and a lot of history. My family comes from Eastern Europe. They left in the 1880s due to the pogroms that forced Jews basically out of Russia and Eastern Europe. Seeing that history come to life today drew me into the book more than the others. Andy Greenberg did a spectacular job explaining the history of Ukraine and Russia and how and why that historic rivalry creates rationale today for the increasing and more severe attacks. Mr. Greenberg speaks at length about industrial control systems and how they pose a threat vector that cyber criminals and nation states have exploited, are exploiting, and more than likely will continue to exploit in the future. The book has many sources, including leading experts on the vulnerabilities of industrial control systems. There's some military folks, people that were contractors, and they're interviewed and they talk a lot about where they see things going. And as the book was being written and more attacks came out, these experts spoke and were basically saying, I told you so, we knew this was going to happen. The weaknesses that are discussed regarding the industrial control, control systems, they led to two major blackouts in the Ukraine. The book covers those in great detail, and it exposes similar weaknesses in the Western world, including the United States. There's actually a hypothesis that these Ukrainian attacks were just the beginning trying to understand how to cause havoc in these systems and then export that methodology and hit American interests that utilize the same Siemens infrastructure or other companies' technologies. An interesting conclusion is that the Ukraine may be more vulnerable than the U.S. It may be easier to hack. However, it's going to take the U.S. a lot longer to recover when a major cyber attack takes down the power grid in America. Andy talks a bit about why that's the case. I think it's pretty interesting, and it makes a lot of sense. If, you're, if you want to know more about why it's harder to hack America than the Ukraine, and it will take longer for America to recover, read into the book and, and check that out. It's quite interesting. Earlier in the book, he talks about something called Project Aurora. This is from 2007, so it's nearly 15 years old already. It's where the Idaho National Labs showed how changing certain lines of code could make a diesel generator destroy itself. Other stories cover additional weaknesses in the power grid and other industries. The, the generator was an interesting story. Basically, what they were doing is they would slow it down and they get it to go really fast and slow it down, get it to go really fast, and it would shatter. The thing just broke apart. And they were saying if somebody breaks in and they're able to get in touch with the code for these industrial control systems, generators, it's what Stuxnet did also. It made the centrifuges just spin out of control. It is real that code can break physical, real-world items. It is not simply crashing a computer. They can destroy devices. Sandworm focuses on just that. Sandworm is an elusive APT, an advanced persistent threat, that many believe are Russian soldiers, actually a part of GRU. In other words, Sandworm is the Russian military. According to the book and according to experts and according to others, I have no reason to disagree with it either. But think about that. Sandworm is the Russian military. All these attacks are being run by the Russian military. 
The book makes that case that the government of Russia manages and maintains two separate cyber attack units. It talks mostly about Sandworm, and it also mentions Fancy Bear. I put a link in the comments about Fancy Bear. You can go check that out. The book's about Sandworm, and that's really what my review is on. However, Fancy Bear and also Guccifer. Guccifer and Guccifer 2.0 later, the election interference in 2016, the hacks of the Democratic National Committee, they're all covered in this book. There's a lot of talk about the industrial control systems. However, there's more to it than that. The idea behind the book is who is Sandworm? Where did they come from? Who's behind them? The book really does a great job explaining that. I find it very interesting, again, because of the history that's talked about, the colorful stories, the cyber aspect to it, how the attacks happen, what's going on, and the real technical nitty-gritty. It's a very impressive book. I really, really think highly of Sandworm. There's a great quote in the book that comes from the UK Foreign Secretary, Jeremy Hunt. He states, quote, our message is clear. Together with our allies, we will expose and respond to the GRU's attempts to undermine international stability. Sandworm discusses and clarifies serious geopolitical implications from cyber attacks believed to be launched by the Russian military, the GRU, as I said just a moment ago. It's a great book, well worth the read. And don't let the history and the storytelling color dissuade you or turn you off. If you're not into that kind of thing, move forward, go to the index or the table of contents, find the stories you want to read about and pick through it. The author stories about the rain and the cloudy skies and looking at a building across the park. I enjoyed it. Not everybody likes that type of color. Take it for what it's worth. Read the book. Parse the book. Get data out of this book. It is really, really worthwhile. The last one is called The Coming Cyber War by Mark Crudgington. This book differs from the others that I talked about. Those are more about cyber attacks and related stories and the history explaining them. They get more technical on how the attacks occurred. This book, The Coming Cyber War, is much more of an educational primer as to what cybersecurity is and why it's important. It's also a persuasive argument to get executives to pay attention. I recommend this book for every C-level employee at every company in the world. I'm not exaggerating. I think what Mark is doing in this book is extremely honorable. Business people need to understand cybersecurity much better than they do, not at a technical level. And Mark understands that when he writes this, he talks about why the business needs to understand. He is a CISO, a Chief Information Security Officer. He has 25 or 30 years experience. And he wrote this book to help people understand what is happening. Mark and I have the same view on the importance of understanding and acting against cyber threats. What I actually found the most interesting in this book is that Mark uses some of the examples that I've used in the past. He also uses the same sources. One of the, those that we both use is IBM's Cost of a Cyber Breach. It was fun reading the book where I completely understand the author's thesis and rationale. It's quite interesting. I'm reading it and I'm like, was he in some of my presentations? Have I seen Mark speak? There is such an overlap between my mindset and his that it was eerie. His book lays out the types of attacks and the reasons for attacking. It explains weaknesses and helps non-technical individuals understand the reason for needing to understand. The coming cyber war lays the groundwork for what businesses need to understand. I like the title of the book, The Coming Cyber War. I think Mr. Crudgington's a bit optimistic, actually. I wrote and I'm trying to publish an article entitled, We Are at War, Cyber War, because I believe we're already there. I'll talk about that article once it publishes. The book here helped me formulate ideas for that article, and it's really neat. Mark and I have some history, some of the DOD work, his vision, his ideas, his thesis, straight away, I agree with it. 
For my listeners that either are just starting in cybersecurity or you're thinking about getting into cyber, or even if you're in cyber and you're not sure where to go, read the book. Read The Coming Cyber War. It really is a wonderful primer for the field, and it's going to help technical staff teach business people why they need to care about information security. That's the key thesis as far as I'm concerned for this book. Helping non-technical people understand cybersecurity is not an IT responsibility solely. Everybody has the responsibility to be a cybersecurity defender, and this book does a wonderful job explaining that. To summarize, here's a succinct view or review of each book in five or six words. Snowden's book is about privacy in the NSA. Hacker in the State is all about nation states attacking each other. Sandworm is Russian and Ukrainian history and a need to remain relevant and understand the industrial control systems and attacks that have come and will come. And the final one, The Coming Cyber War, is about It's for and about executive visibility, what is cyber, and why executives should care. And that's it, the four cyber books I recently read and what I think of them. I hope you found this of value, and I encourage all of you to read at least one of these books by the end of 2021. Set a goal, pick a book, and read away. I look forward to hearing from you. I really do. I check the account regularly. If you write me, I will write you back. I guarantee it. Let me know which of these books you read, which ones you want more information about, or tell me about other books that you've read that you think I may benefit from, both on the cybersecurity side or if you have any science fiction fantasy books that you really enjoyed, let me know. Shoot me a note, cybergraybeard at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening, for telling your friends, professors, instructors, and colleagues about the Cybersecurity Graybeard podcast. Have a great day.